On today's Hashi, I discuss CRE impact on regional banks, workplace flexibility, and shelter disinflation. Today is Thursday, September 7th, 2023. I am Byron Lazine, and the Hashi starts now. Welcome back to the hot sheet. Let me know in the live chat where you are tuning in from. Love to know which market you are in. Hit the thumbs up and share this video with someone who can benefit from a 24-hour look back on housing. We've got a big Wall Street Journal article that we're going to start with. So let's jump right into it after a day of what I would consider a little bit of turmoil, more volatility. Of course, we're used to that by now, but the markets went down Yesterday, the 10-year went up and the 30-year popped back up. So listen, longer rates are higher for longer. This is the market that we're going to be dealing with for the foreseeable future. It's important to educate clients, consumers, and the like that that is the case moving forward. It's, It's important as real estate professionals to have that mindset moving forward. Why is there so much volatility and turmoil in the market? Well, Wall Street Journal reported yesterday that the real estate doom loop threatens America's banks. What a great headline, Wall Street Journal. You're doing a better job with headlines than Bloomberg. We saw uh, yesterday had an inaccurate headline. Of course, nobody's there fact-checking any of these guys, but Wall Street Journal seems to have nailed it. Why do they say real estate is in a doom loop? Take a look at the cumulative change in real estate exposure since March 2015 for regional banks. And I'll tell you why this is important. Going back to 2015, the cumulative exposure for uh, regional and local banks for commercial real estate was not much at all. And then it continued to grow over the last eight years. And you can see that this is in the trillions. Uh, one point over 1.5 trillion large banks and when they say large banks they mean the top 25 uh, make up about a half a trillion there okay cumulative exposure where does banks exposure uh, to commercial real estate sit between 2015 and 2023 office and apartment lending makes up the most office and apartment over a trillion dollars construction loans also over a trillion dollars small business loans is at about uh between 500 billion and 750 billion that's been a gradual increase the office and apartment lending has been a steep increase construction loans a steep increase commercial mortgage-backed securities uh increased the last couple years before declining the last 12 months real estate investor loans under 250 billion uh, more of a steady increase. And then other assets linked to commercial properties have been relatively flat over the last eight years. What's coming due? Uh, and how much do regional and local banks need to worry? Okay, so nearly $900 billion in commercial property loans are maturing this year and next, forcing many landlords to uh, seek out more expensive financing from private investors and banks still willing to lend maturing commercial property loans by lender tape you can uh, type you can see the slide in front of you if you're viewing on youtube of course if you're just listening to the replay all of these slides are available 
inside of BAMX at our daily uh, download stop there. You can get into BAMX by using code HOT and get 10% off. You get access to all of these downloads as well as our live streams. We did one yesterday on ManyChat and all of our courses. So maturing commercial property loans under lender type. You see that regional and local banks seem to make up a smaller portion of the total. Interesting. International national banks and then other lenders. Okay. 2023, it's just under $400 billion uh, total. Okay. 2024, you have, uh, and I'm sorry, the $400 billion would be for the regional and local banks. International and national banks would be like three hundred and fifty. And then other lenders would be about 250, okay? So um, regional banks still making up more than the others, regional and local banks. 500 billion for 2024, and that's where you come up with the nearly 900 billion for this year and next year. Now, regional and local banks don't have as much exposure in 2028, 2029, and 2030 but we know as these mature and that and as vacancies go up, especially in offices, landlords may be forced to walk away from the properties. This is a chart here from Bloomberg showing that U.S. chartered depository institutions well outweigh other holders of U.S. commercial debt. This is from the first quarter of 2023. And we've covered a whole bunch of these stories where you have banks, you even have Black Knight just simply walking away from the properties. In this Wall Street Journal piece yesterday, uh, they they out they outline a bank OZK had two branches in rural Arkansas when Chief Executive Officer George Gleason uh, bought it in 1979. The Little Rock lender today has billions of dollars in commercial real estate loans, including four properties. Uh, are including properties in Manhattan and Miami, where it is helping fund the construction of a thousand foot tall office and luxury residential tower on Fifth Ave. Okay, regional banks across the country followed a similar playbook to this bank OZK with the commercial real estate market now in meltdown. It's Wall Street Journal. Those trillions of dollars in loans and investments are looming threat for the banking industry and potentially the broader economy. And that's what I want to focus on here. If we we saw what happened with the economy earlier in the year when we had a regional banking crisis, a regional banking scare. And we had two of the three largest uh, banking meltdowns ever in the history. Now, that's one of the reasons why the spread between the 10-year and the 30-year has been more dramatic this year than in years past, Okay. Uh, so that's one of the reasons, if you go back and listen to the Knowledge Brokers podcast we did with George Ratu, it's one of the reasons he points to for having a bigger spread. Of course, we felt it yesterday when the 10-year uh, the popped up. I mean, just look at the last the volatility here in the last week on the 30-year fix. Okay, hit 7.5, came back down to 7 and said, okay, are we stabilizing? Nope, we popped right back up yesterday to 7.33 on the 30 year fixed. That's because of the volatility in the 10 year. The volatility in the 10 year exists because of these uncertain economic times that we are living through. And remember, Zillow says if we go through another regional banking crisis, um, what that would do when we talk about broader economy, one of the things that they say 
you know, if we if we have another issue like that, we're going to be experiencing over 8% on the 30-year fix. If we go over 8% on the 30-year fix, what will that do to transactions? Well, it'll bring them from 4 million today down to 3.3 million. Inventory will tighten up and the, the people that can afford the inventory available will tighten up with it. Now, we spoke yesterday. There's there's some, some positive tea leaves for inventory increasing right now. Go back and listen to yesterday's hot sheet if you missed that. I want to see the inventory increase. I, you know, these are things that I want to see. Um, but if we have an economic meltdown due to a regional banking crisis, uh, you, you may might see a, a inventory increase with that. But that would be because of job loss. Remember, what can drive home sales down? It's inventory increasing. One, we want that to come in a healthy fashion. Number two, it's job loss because that would increase inventory, but that would be coming you know, from more of a negative standpoint. Uh, the Fed obviously doesn't want to see a, a banking crisis meltdown. They want to see jobs slow down, right? They want to see jobs slow down and pull the economy down. If they see a regional banking crisis, we've got bigger problems on our hands. And that's what the Wall Street Journal piece from yesterday is all about. It's, it's, what, it's the regional bank's exposure to commercial real estate is more substantial than it appears. Okay, that's Wall Street Journal's position. Now, back in, and I saved this article because I knew it would come back up. Back in mid-August, August 14th, Bloomberg stated, and now I get their headline yesterday wasn't, wasn't that accurate, but Bloomberg stated on August 14th, no. So they're saying no to, to Wall Street Journal. Small banks aren't holding the bag on, on half-empty towers. Contrary to a widespread figure, local and regional lenders don't hold 70% of commercial real estate debt. It's closer to 32%. Okay. Okay, it's closer to 32%. Uh, it's still a very large number. And, you know, basically, they're calling small banks not defined as those among the country's 25 largest. Um, so here's the thing about that. I think most would would um, consider anything outside the top four banks now potentially a regional and small bank. So they're saying now five through twenty five, you know, is still not, you know, they're they're not defined as small banks. They're the country's twenty five largest. When you take out the the four, the big four, the, you know, you start to. You know, we had people in the in the twenty five to five range fail banks, not people fail when we had the regional bank banking crisis. So it's kind of getting into semantics there, and there's going to be a lot of the you know commercial real estate that's held up between those banks between five and twenty five. Anyways, it's a lot. Whether it's thirty two percent or seventy percent, regional banks, small banks, banks outside of the top four are holding a tremendous amount of commercial real estate. It's one of the issues that could bring down the economy, could avoid soft landing. And you see how the market reacted yesterday. Dow, NASDAQ, everybody um, you know, looking and following those sees that, that, that we had another three-day, you know, third day in a row drop there. And it's because the investors are concerned about the future of the economy. One thing that could help the future of commercial buildings would be people coming back to the office. We've got an article on nowbam.com 
about workplace flexibility and housing priorities. This is according to Fannie Mae's latest research, okay? Uh, Fannie Mae surveyed renters and owners to assess how their work and housing preferences have changed since the start of the pandemic. The share of remote and hybrid workers has dropped by only one percentage point from 36 in quarter three of 21 to 35% in quarter one of 23, the most recent quarter for which data is available for both renters and owners. Affordability has become a top concern, number one for renters and number two for homeowners, okay? I've got these charts. These are interesting, I think, for anyone, um, you know, looking at, at with a buyer mindset today. These are available in the daily download on BAMX. BAMX members get access to that. You can become a BAMX member by using code HOT to get 10% off your membership. Expected work situation by the end of the year. Okay, this is general population. Uh, by home ownership status, quarter one, 2023, and quarter three, 2021, okay? Working only at home, only a 1% uptick from quarter one or quarter three, 21 to quarter three, 22, 13 to 14%. A mix of working at home and your work location, uh, 23% in 21 versus 21%. So that that's 35% in both 2021 and 2023, Working every day at your work office location, 49% of people in both instances, 2021 and 2022. Don't know or skip the question is, you know, 14, 15%. You, you don't know where you're going to be working. Wake up, have a coffee, figure it out. Know what you're going to be doing. Be prepared. I don't know what to tell you. Um, home ownership status, okay? Uh, mortgage holders, 50%. These numbers are very similar in both 21 and 23. Outright owners, 50% basically across the board, home ownership status. Um, and this is for uh, that working at your office locations. Very similar whether you're a renter or a homeowner for all categories across the board. Most important consideration when shopping for a new home to rent or own. Okay, so... Real estate agents, your ears should perk up here. Home size is 8% in 2014. Now it's 12%. Home size has shifted upward 4%. The home quality down 2%, 20% in 2014, 18% today. Home affordability, 20% in 2014, now 36% today, quarter one of 2023. Interest rates have an impact on that. Thank you, Jerome Powell. The neighborhood, 50% in quarter four, down to 33% today. People, buyers are willing to give up neighborhood because they want the affordability, okay? Uh, so interesting there. Workplace situation for affordability, okay? 41% uh, unemployed, say that's, a, that's an important factor. On site, 36%. Hybrid, full, remote, 33%, okay, would say that home affordability important. If they're on site, 36% say it's important. If they're unemployed, I don't know, you know, if you're unemployed and you're worried about home affordability, worried about maybe employment, unless unless you got a bunch of money in the bank. Not judging here, not judging, okay. Um, and then the next slide here from Fannie Mae would be location of the next home purchase suburban area in 2010 
37%, uh, 42% today. A rural area, 38% down to 37% today. Urban or city area, 23% 2010, down to 19% today. Okay. Uh, interesting data points to be thinking about the mindset of the buyer, where they expect to be, um, you know, working from home, working uh, hybrid of uh, mix. I think you're seeing a lot of the, the hybrid right now. A lot more uh, folks are working from both. And love to know, what are your clients saying? Do they expect to be working at home? Is, is that still important to them on their home search right now with the buyers that you're working with? Love to know in the uh, chat below. All right. Uh, like to shift over now to what I would consider maybe the most positive news of the last 24 hours uh, as it relates to the Fed and our fight against inflation. Nick Tir uh, Timoros from the Wall Street Journal put out a tweet yesterday. More shelter disinflation ahead, even without outright demand destruction. This dynamic may not get as much attention as the recent upturn in Case-Shiller home price uh, indexes, but why shouldn't it, given it the role of rents in BLS shelter inflation calculations? Well, Nick from WSJ, we've been saying it here on the hot sheet. We've been saying it since March. Barry Sternlight's been saying it. From March, we took his cue as a leader in this space to be talking about it. We we actually used Wall Street Journal's article a couple months ago about if we took out the made up believe um, you know shelter number of owners equivalent shelter and we pulled that out of the CPI, we'd be at two point six percent on inflation, and the Fed's goal is two. So yeah, we've been paying attention to it, but I agree with you, Nick. Why isn't the Fed paying attention to it? Why aren't they paying closer attention to what's actually happening in real time? Jay Parsons, who's a, uh, a, a rental market multifamily economist, he's paying attention to it because Nick subtweeted his tweet. Supply continues to do its thing, talking about multifamily. For the first time in many decades, apartment rents are rapidly flattening and could soon go negative at the same time demand remains healthy. This is music to my ears because we want an abundance of rental opportunities for those that need to rent. They can get a more affordable option. I'm sorry if you're an investor in multifamily. I'm just sorry that the rents are coming down. This is good for the fight against inflation. Why? Because the, when we beat inflation, we can get a lower 30-year fix and we can get more people to afford Homes. I want more homeowners, not more renters. I know if you're sitting on a, 100 doors, uh, don't worry. There's always going to be renters, okay? Go ahead and invest in real estate. I encourage people to invest in real estate. Get a great, safe product for people to be able to rent when they need to rent a home. But I want more homeowners in this country. That's what I'm passionate about. Uh, Nick Jay goes on. This is one of the most beautiful tweets, and I'm hoping Jay Powell is reading it. Jay Parsons goes on to say, why? Apartment construction is at 40-plus year highs. Everybody's chasing the same bag. It's a ball. It, it, uh, I'm not going to go all the way. It's a bub, bub, bub. You know, it's, it, it might be a bubble, apartment construction. Shifting the balance of power to renters. Love it. Want renters to have more power. They're going to have more power, by the way, in Nashville, in, in uh, Tampa, and some of these other areas where they just built too much. 
because the, the government wants to support more apartments. They don't want to support affordable housing units for people to purchase. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know if they want more control or what, but they've certainly supported more apartment construction than they have for sale units. Okay. Year over year effective asking rents for new leases. Same store inched up just 0.28% and can turn negative by September. We've actually seen uh, other reports that it has gone negative. Compare 2023 to the last two times, excluding 2020 odd year, early 2000s and 2009. In those two prior periods, rents fell as recessions hit, jobs were lost, demand evaporated, and vacancy hit 7.8%. By comparison, in 2023, vacancy has been fairly stable since January in the mid 5% range. Demand is solid, but operators are giving, giving on price in order to compete and to protect occupancy cash flow. They need to protect cash flow rights now, operators, that is, of multifamily. Because when they go back to the bank, you know, with our first segment there on the regional banks, when they got to go renegotiate with the bank, they got to be able to show this cash flow, okay? It's going to be how they keep their keep their property. If, they, if they've got a great location on the multifamily unit, they want to keep it through the turmoil of the next couple of years, they got to show cash flow. That'll likely continue through 2024 as supply peaks. A lot of this new construction is coming online here at the end of this year and into next year. Before 2025, 2026, as supply will then be significantly less. The rent slowdown won't show up in CPI until early-ish 2024. It's because we use old metrics, okay? It should be showing up now. But the rent slowdown... Uh, won't show up till early as 2024, but it will happen. CPI rents won't go negative by then, but they'll look pedestrian at that point. Okay, and uh, here's a chart that Jay shared. It's going to be down below, or it'll be in BAMX rather in the daily download. You can get into BAMX down below by using code HOT to get 10% off. Annualized rent growth now nears negative territory as new supply ramps up. This number should continue to get pushed down in some of the biggest markets in the Country. This is great news for our fight against inflation and our fight against the 30-year fixed rate. If you want to fight against all of the misinformation and be the most prepared agent you possibly can be, well, I've got three opportunities for you. Number one would be BAM Camp. September 20th, it is by far going to be the best event in real estate. There's only a handful of seats left. You can get in the BAM camp if you're a BAMX member with 25% off. There's a link below September 20th in Naples, Florida. You know all about BAM camp. we got murderers, row speakers, and uh, it's just going to be a fantastic event. But if you can't make it down to Naples, Florida, September 20th, maybe you can make it to FUBCON. It's just 17 days away. What can you expect from FUBCON? This is the follow-up boss event. Six legendary keynotes, five hands-on breakouts, and 35-plus speakers, zero filler. Okay, it's all in three action-packed days. You'll walk away with a playbook for scaling your business and staying resilient through any challenge. It's September 25th through the 28th, and it's in LA. If you're more of a West Coast guy or gal, use code promo BAM underscore VIP30. BAM underscore VIP30. You get 30% off your uh, first ticket, and then you get an additional 55% off each ticket you buy. So if you want to go follow up, boss, LA, September 25th to the 28th, Use code BAM underscore VIP 30, 30% off your first ticket, 55% off 
additional tickets if you're going to bring a friend. And then I know Jeremy shut down ticket sales yesterday, I think, for elite agents. But just go on the link anyways if you're going to be in the Austin area because I'm going to be there tomorrow. I'm leaving right after this. I'm going to Austin, and I will be there tomorrow for elite agents event that Jeremy Knight is throwing. Maybe you can get into that. I can't promise you. Try the link down below if you're in, in making a last-minute decision. But that is the speaker lineup here uh, of what Pam's involved in. A lot of good events. So tomorrow I'm in Austin. We've got September 20th in Naples for BAM camp. By far the best. No panel pontification. All practitioners there. And then follow-up boss, FUBCON, September 25th to the 28th in LA. Three sick events all linked down below. Love for you to uh, to attend one of those and be ready for what's coming in 2024. This is the start of the new year, September. New beginnings in September. So get ready now uh bamx members get the benefit of everything use code hot to get 10 percent off into bamx i'll see you guys back tomorrow live from austin q a show we're rolling back out the friday free format q a show uh what's the phone number bobby do you have the phone number bobby will be with me in austin he'll be taking your calls the numbers on the screen calling 203-548- 0417. So save that phone number in your phone. That is the hot sheet phone number Friday, free format tomorrow, live Austin, your calls, your questions from the week. Can't wait to do it with you until then. Toodaloo.